Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce. McCurdy, Bruce, it's hard to believe what you just witnessed. Sure is. Game, a stress-free game for an Oilers fan. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Eight to two. Eight to two. That helps the old Oilers goal differential a little bit, doesn't it? Are they up to 500 again, I wonder? Close. Uh, no. Oh, for, for goals, I think that actually puts them back in the black, doesn't it? Uh, I, don't, I think they got down. Yeah, it's going to be really close. NHL.com will take forever. Bruce, this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. We'll do two good things each because it was an 8-2 victory over the Arizona Coyotes, kind of a topless team. All right. Uh, what's your first good thing? All right. My first good thing is the uh, uh, the start of the game. Uh, Oilers came out loaded for bear right from the beginning. They were skating. They were they were uh, hustling. They were all around the puck. Uh, they had good puck support. And they just came ready to uh, take care of business and take care of business they did with an excellent, really, all three periods. They they won all three periods by two goals, David. Two nothing, <laughs> three one, three one. And of course, I mean they had a uh, they had an opponent uh, that was. We want to talk about our road miseries. That was Arizona's fourteenth oh straight goodness. road game. <laughs> They're finally going talk home about to, to their new five thousand seat arena. Talk about a Mickey Mouse franchise, oh, Bruce. I mean, this yeah, is the very oh. definition of uh, this is like WHA country. Yeah, it's, it's very, very reminiscent of that. Yeah. The team goes away and you don't know when they're going to come back or if they're going to come back. It's just winging it. <laughs> they're just making it up as they go along. And they were, they, they played four home games earlier in the season where they had the teams dressing in a, I can't remember what it was, some kind of uh, laundry room or something under the stands. And it, they they were complaining about that, and then they went for the 14-game road trip, but now they're going to come back to the swanky confines of their new 200-square-foot uh, dressing room. And I uh, uh, can't remember what arena it is. Like, they're not allowed to put their logo on center ice. It's one of the universities there, and they, yeah. the Coyotes can't even put their logo on their own hallways. The visitors' so, dressing rooms have porta-potties. <laughs> So, so they they were they they played two tough games, man. They they lost three two to Vancouver in overtime, and they lost three two to Calgary on a goal in the last five minutes. But tonight they didn't have a whole lot of pushback. But like I said earlier, Edmonton Edmonton did take care of business by coming out right from the gate. And I, I think the Oilers uh, uh, learned a couple of harsh lessons from Monday's fiasco against Washington, and they also had the return of Zach Hyman that helped. But I just thought the whole team was uh, just good and sharp uh, right out of the gate. Yeah, yeah, they were. It was, it was, and and Arizona wasn't sharp at all. Right. They were, they were, uh, they didn't get a, well, they did get one grade A shot in the first. They only, the, the grade A shots in this game were 19 to 6 right. for the Oilers. And the five alarms were um, 9 to 4 for the Oilers. So this was not. Toyota's actually, uh, what's that for expected goals? About six, five or six, I guess. Uh, 
and for Arizona, uh-huh. maybe, maybe two. Uh, anyway, <coughs> Bruce, um, the game saw something that we haven't seen a lot, and my good thing reflects that. It's the um, depth scoring, especially uh, Derek Ryan. I just thought he, he was he was He's Johnny on the spot. And he just was uh, – he had his legs going tonight. He was fast out there tonight, and he scored. Um, his first goal, um, Philip Broberry wins a battle. And um, strips the puck in the neutral zone and just and slings it up, slings it um, up the middle of the ice, I think, if I'm not mistaken on that play. And uh, it goes to Koskin, Koston, who um, kind of, he just kind of, he rags the puck a little bit. I might be mi- mixing up Broberry's play, actually. We have him down as doing something on that with a battle one. Do you remember what it was? Maybe uh-huh. in the... I can't remember. Anyway, he he gets it to Costin in the neutral zone. Costin rags the puck for a second or two and, and kind of flips it into the offensive end. And it bounces to Ryan, who gets a clear breakaway, clear clear break-in shot and uh, puts in the goal. Very nice play. Very nice deke by Derek Ryan on that goal, as I recall. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he, he uh, really put a nice move to the backhand side and uh, and popped her home. Yeah, Broberry, he won a battle in the in the defensive zone with a uh, I think he that was the one where he blocked a shot. Oh, that's and, right. That was the, the power shot. Bounced up went, to Costin. Went to Costin. That's what happened on that one. It's the other play. He had another one where he set up McDavid on a rush in. Um that's in the second period that uh, that I was thinking of. That's where he wanted in the neutral zone and sent McDavid in. Um McDavid did his magic. So Ryan was involved. It looks like four major contributions to Grade A shots. Couple um, he, second period, he sets up uh, Tyson Berry for a, a Grade A shot. He gets his own uh, really hard uh, jam shot. Darnell Nurse puts a shot in from outside, and Ryan almost scores on the uh, rebound. Very nice save by the um, Coyotes goalie. Yep. And then he wins the puck um, in the offensive end. And whips it over to Costin, who slams it home. So good for Derek Ryan, you know. Like he's uh, a lot of the players in the bottom six uh, are getting criticism, yeah. and um, a lot of the players, you know, Bob Stafford's said on orders now today. He says, "I guarantee you, they're going to be changing up the bottom six. And you you have to know the players in in those roles hear that. Uh-huh. And Ryan would be one of them who would be hearing yep, that. Absolutely, Gavin Shore. There's a number of guys oh. whose jobs um, will be in danger. Um, so they all got the memo tonight. They, they, I thought Shore Shore had a better game too. I thought he dug in a little harder than than usual. Showed a bit more uh, aggression in his game. But Ryan was flying out there. Costin uh, got the goal. He got. I guess he got the Gordie Howe hat trick. Fight with Cassian right at the end there. Uh-huh. <laughs> Good for him. Gordie Howe hat trick. Someone said yeah, that. Like, yeah, no, it's true. It's true. He set up. Uh, he set up Ryan's goal. He scored one himself, and then he had the late fight with uh, Cassian. Yeah. So good for uh, good for those guys. What's your second good thing, Bruce? Yeah, I'm going to go with the four-one goal by Nugent Hopkins. Uh, not that it was anything more special than the other goals, other than the timing of it. The yeah. Oilers actually did get out in front to a good lead. It was three nothing. And Coyotes got one goal and it was a really good play, a good strong power move to the net that the guy made and, and a really good finish from uh, uh, McBain. Now, is that Andrew McBain's kid, I'm wondering? 
Must be, eh? You think? Jack, Jack McBain. Yeah, I'm thinking so. Could be. I uh, remember Andrew McBain from North Bay. Anyway, uh, Jack uh, used to play for the Jets. Anyway. Um, yeah, he was a big winger. It was three to one. He was. Yeah, it was three to one. And you're thinking, well, I think Oilers got this game under control, but you really want to get that next goal. You know, you don't want him to get to 3-2, and then you're doing a little bit of this white-knuckle stuff, and there's just no room for it tonight. they got to win this game. they got to win this game. Yeah. And 23 seconds later, uh, they, they won the face-off. Nurse took it into the blue line, got it in deep. You know, they pressured the Coyotes, and then uh, Arizona tried to break out, and uh, Yamamoto... Uh, challenged the guy at the blue line, chipped the puck off his stick. It was almost a two-on-zero, but Yamamoto kind of lost his balance. But in so doing, he chipped the puck ahead to Nugent Hopkins. And RNH just went in and fired one home just inside the, just in the sack spot where where uh, Burnaby Ryan likes to shoot, just inside the uh, stick side post. And he nailed it. And it was four to one. And in those 23 seconds, any doubt as to who was going to win that game utterly evaporated for both, for everybody in the barn, including the Coyotes. They knew they were done at that moment. Yeah. And it was just such a great instant response. Oh, yeah, you're going to score. Well, we can score. Boom. Okay, we got our three-goal lead back. Now what are you going to do? Ryan. And the Coyotes put, put their tails between their legs. <laughs> Nuge, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is hot as a pistol right now. He is, uh, he's going gay. He's never had a goals. Well, he might have had a streak like this in his rookie year where he was riding really high at points. Point. Yeah, in points terms of points. But um, this is, this is it's awesome. a third of the way through the season, David. He's on pace for 40 goals at this moment. He's on pace for um, 30, 90, 30, 90, 30. yeah, 90 points. So, um, this is quite a quite an eventful year so far for Nugent Hopkins, and we'll talk a little bit a, a bit more about that. So um, my second good thing is Connor McDavid, and um, you know he was his usual self early in the game. He was in on a lot of chances, but uh, what I'm going to remark on tonight is his third period play, and he, he did the full Gretzky tonight. And you always want to do the full Gretzky. And he never does it, right? He never does this, but he did it tonight. Wayne Gretzky's got so many goals and points in garbage time. He would not let up. He would Mm -hmm. put the pedal to the metal when the orders are up by three or four goals. And he would get two or three or four uh, points. Not, it's yeah, not sometimes, not all the time, but a few times a year. I'm going to say. Uh, he, well, he doesn't get an extra point or two down the stretch of a How about regularly? One game, yeah. yeah. Often, yes. Yeah, he never let up. And I just remember how he never let up. Because he like he would back check like crazy and stick check, lift their stick, steal the puck, go in and try to, like, he would just not let up. But McDavid just doesn't, that's not his thing. And, I, and it wasn't really his thing tonight, but it just kind of the plays came his way with uh, him and Drysaddle, and the first one was an absolutely great move by Drysaddle. First at the blue line, he spins onto his backhand, and then he finds with a backhand pass, diagonal uh, backhand pass across the ice, uh, down low to McDavid, who doesn't shoot, but he doesn't really have a shooting angle. He takes it around the net, and the goalie is just way out of it. He's not even close to making the save, and he does the wraparound and slams it in. An amazing, that was just an amazing goal. Um, 
The next one is um, Tyson Berry puts it over to Hyman. Hyman uh, is is down low and he sets up. He does the low high pass to McDavid in the slot, and McDavid just rifles it in on a one timer shot, and another. Um, so two points, two goals, and puts himself at, to be the league leader again at 24 goals. I think he's ahead of um, Robertson. Yes, so, so again, it was just, it was just. I love to see it. I love to see when my uh, hockey heroes pick up cheap points late in a game, mm-hmm. and uh, that that this game provided that a plenty with for McDavid tonight. Yeah, well, you don't get to 50 goals in 39 games by passing up opportunities in, in garbage time. You know, I mean, that's one of the reasons, as you say, that Gretzky set the records that he did, was that he wouldn't lay off particularly in, in one games. Uh, and, I mean, it's very unusual to see McDavid score the 7-1 and 8-1 goals in a game. But <laughs> then again, it's very unusual for the Oilers to have a big lead in games this year. So, Yeah, that's um, true, too. <laughs> So we'll take those two and two for four points for McDavid now tonight. And he's up to 24 and 28, 52 points through 20. So he's on pace for 156 points. Nice. So that's not, that's, and we're getting into where, you know, usually early in the season, that kind of talk is ridiculous, but we're getting into the point of the season. Third, where it's third not, of the season. It's yeah, a significant so ridiculous. Sample. And yeah. he's not exactly slowing down. He's got 17 points in his last seven games, I think they said. So, you know, that's almost Gretzky territory right there. And apparently, like, I don't know, I haven't done the weighted average of the Oilers' schedule, but apparently, you know, they played a lot of the harder teams so far, and they haven't had any, they haven't played their easier, some of the easier games they're going to get, so, so-called easier games. So we'll see against San Jose and Anaheim and this team and maybe the Canucks, if the Canucks are soft, um, softened up. Which they appear to be. I remember okay. one time, David Gretzky. This, this is Gretzky, and there was a, there was a graphic on a game late in his time in Edmonton, and there's this graphic that said Wayne Gretzky 17 points in his last seven games, same as McDavid's got now. And I remember saying to my wife, you know, it's, you could probably put the same graphic up: 170 points in his last 70 <laughs> games, or 1,700 points in his last 700 games, because he just kept that pace up all the time, right? Two and a half points a game. That's how he rolled. So maybe Connor's catching, getting into that vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Your bad thing. <sighs> yeah. Oh, I guess. Bad thing is is wasted goals, but I mean that's not a bad thing. But you know, you get a couple of breaks on a night you really, really don't need a couple of breaks. I think I'll I think I'll uh, I'll I'll take a mulligan and go with the uh, uh, Coyotes schedule that had them playing this 14 road games in a row, and you could see they were just at the end of their tether. And when once they ran into a determined team, they were done and done early. So. The bad thing, I guess, is that we didn't really get a very competitive game from the NHL tonight. Not that I particularly mind. It's nice to see the Oilers kick the crap out of anyone, but uh, the Coyotes, uh, they were, they were just not able to compete tonight. They they had 18 shots one game after the Oilers allowed 50 shots. They held their opponents to 18. So some pretty pretty good business being taken care of there. What a different a game makes for uh, the mood of Oiler fans tonight. 
Bruce, well, my bad thing. of the Oilers. They were, yeah, they were, the Oilers they were really into this one. Last game, they were just flat. I know, there was, it just didn't, didn't happen. My bad thing isn't anything to do with the game. It's an interview that uh, Yesapulia Yarvi gave to um, Finnish reporter Tommy Seppala of YLE Sport. And I want to give credit to uh, both Tommy Seppala for the interview and Mark Spector, who, who, um, he got uh, Seppala to translate it, uh, which is much better than going on Google Translation. Google Translation mm-hmm. from Finnish to English is often pretty right. long. So Mark got a very good translation. So good work by Mark Spector on this. Um, so it was just, it, and why it's my bad thing, it's just a really discouraging interview. And you could just feel the players. I don't know if anguish, frustration doesn't seem like a strong enough word. Anguish may, may seem... Actually, it's felt more like anguish than frustration, Bruce. Like the the quotes from Pugliarvi were like for a fan of the player, they were kind of heartbreaking, mm-hmm. honestly. Like, this, you see how he's struggling. So if you haven't seen this uh, mm-hmm. in Mark Spect Mark Spector's uh, column in Sports, that here's here's the kind of the key quotes from uh, Pugliarvi. He was talking about playing with McDavid while at the same times uh, slumping, and he said, "quote." It takes a lot to play with a superstar like him. You have to win battles and make plays at the same time. It's a high-quality game, but it takes a good player. You have to be a really good player to play with him. It's hard to tell why I'm not scoring. I've been thinking about it a lot. I think I scored earlier, and I think now I'm older, more experienced, and a better player, yet I'm not scoring. If you play with Connor, you have to score. Maybe I just don't have it. Of course, I'd like to be a productive top-line player, but right now it looks like I can't do that in the NHL. Maybe some other league. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That was really bad. That was that was a uh, break your heart. Uh, yeah, it really is. Like it's and and you know Ken Holland's quotes. It's just like what he says. The GM says, "What can I say? It's a tough league, and it's true. Like this, mm-hmm. this is this is the toughest hockey league by far in the world. You can be the best player in the world almost when you're 17 years old, 18 years old in the entire world." His Pugliarvi was close to, you know, he was in that group. Two or three guys fighting that year, fighting for that title. And, and. MVP he, of the World Juniors of 17. Yeah. You don't see that very ripped, often. Ripped it apart. Just carrying the puck all over the place, making plays with Liney and Ajo. And he has not yet found his game at the NHL level. And um, so I dug into. I'll just go right to my number, Bruce, because my number is is related to this. It's um, the shooting percentage. I'm going to focus on two different players. Pulleyarvi's uh, for grade A shots. So usually grade A shots go in. Um, this year, the Oilers have had, according to my total here, 374 grade A shots, and 20 25.9% of them have ended up as goals. It's usually about 25% over a season. Right. Last year it was 24% or something. Anyway, um, so so average, a quarter of the time you get a grade A shot, it's going in. Yesapuliarvi's had 17 of those shots this year, and he's only got the one goal. And, you know, I figure he should, have, like, if he just had average puck luck, he'd have four or five goals. Yeah. And, and if he had four or five goals, we wouldn't have this kind of despair, I don't think, from the player or f- from a lot right. of fans about his play. Like, he just... Now, the problem is he also had some pretty bad um, puck luck last year. He um, and and at some point he, he shot fifteen point six 
15.6% last year on grade A shots. So again, he's quite a bit below. He's 10% below about where he should be in terms of converting them. And at some point you start to think the guy doesn't have, he doesn't have hands. Like this isn't, some players like Dreisaitl are consistently above, way above. Like Leon Dreisaitl last year scored on 30% of his shots. This year, Leon's scoring on uh, 30, let me just find Leon. He's scoring on 36% of his shots this year, including tonight. Grade A shots, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are on. When I say shots, this is all about grade A shots. Thirty-six percent. So he's eleven percent above, and and yes, last year ten percent below, and this year he's twenty percent below. So some of it is puck luck, but some of it is he he brings a lot on the attack. He screens the goalie. He pops pucks. He, he's a very strong passer of the puck. He's an unselfish player. He's a he's a good defensive player. He is not. I think it's it's at this point of his career he is he he can't finish for the life of him. Mm-hmm. and it's wearing on him it's discouraging to him and and it's discouraging to all of, um, all Oilers fans who are rooting for the guy to uh, succeed with the Edmonton Oilers this year. Yeah, it reminds me of that season where Valerie Natushkin got zero goals and zero penalty minutes. You know, and just nothing would go for the guy, and he turned out later eventually to be a hell of a player, but. These big guys that take some take some time, eh? And I still think he can be a player, but uh, I'm starting to have my serious doubts that it's going to be here in Edmonton. I was always thinking, just wait, wait, be patient. When this guy's 23 or 24 or 25, he's going to pop. And often, though, they need that second opinion. You know, I mean, uh, uh, well, Nichushkin, I just mentioned, how about Tage Thompson? That started with St. Louis Blues. I remember him <laughs> scoring his first goal against the Oilers on a wicked shot from the high slot uh, a number of years ago. I'm, holy God, that's a guy to watch. And then five or six years later, he's in another conference, uh, some other team, and all of a sudden he pops to a 38-goal season last year. And who knows what he's going to get this year. he got five goals in tonight's game. That big guy. And then the big guys especially. But, yes, uh, like it's like his confidence has departed and it's like his uh, um, I mean he bobbles the puck when, when he gets a chance like I just keep thinking calm down just calm the down around the net you know and just learn to be calm and just pop, pop at home you don't have to do anything exceptional you just have to make your shot and sometimes that's a problem and some of us just puck luck like he, you know he's hit a couple posts he had one the other night where he shot between the goalie's body and his blocker and the goalie squeezed him and hit his hip or something and missed the post by like a billimeter it was just oh man it went through him and everything I just still couldn't go in the net and as you can tell from that interview his confidence is shot and I haven't seen much in recent games really where I thought he was even a threat to score and, you know, it's just, you know, go up and down your wing, take the body, do all those things, but scoring is just not part of the equation at this time, and it's, uh, it's distressing. Things can turn around. Like, so last year, Bruce, Nugent Hopkins, mm-hmm. uh, in 63 games, he had 11 goals, and he, he, sh- he shot at um, 17%. So he's about 8% below the team average, right? He's, he's having a... Yeah. And you're thinking, this guy, he's never going to be a sniper. He's never going to get it. Like, he just not, it's not in him. And all of a sudden this year, he's already got 13 goals in 27 games. He's got 13 goals. And he's shooting 31.7% of his grade A shots are going in the net. So, um, you know, he's doubled it almost. Um, 
his uh, grade A shots uh, conversion rate. So, um, and he, he's shooting the puck with a lot more authority. Like he, uh, it's, I don't think I'm imagining this. He, he looks, he just looks confident. And uh, like he, he's, he looks like he thinks I'm going to beat the goalie. And uh, Pulley Harvey think when he's shooting, it's like, I'm going to get beat down into the ice because I'm going <laughs> to flub this one again and feel like crap. So, you know, he might be one of these guys, Bruce, uh, you know, who there's the odd player who just wants to play in his home country too. Like there has been that guy. Um, he, he could be that guy. We, you know, we'll find out. I think, I think if he sticks with it in the NHL, I mean, he, again, he should have four or five goals this year. If he did, it'll be a different narrative about him. So if he sticks with it in the NHL, he, he can help. He talked about, he, like he was starting to hit to earn his, his place with the Oilers. Yeah, he does have to play physical. That's a good idea. If you're not, if you're not scoring, do something. I like the line tonight with him and uh, Holloway and Hamlin, this kind of young energy. Um, stick with those guys for a while. See how that goes. Holloway could use mm-hmm. some extra extra minutes, extra time. Um, Pugliarvi then, he is the man on that that line. He will maybe start to sink in like he's he's the one who should be carrying the, that pocket. Yeah. Uh, carry the mail. Maybe he'll do it. So, <sighs> anyway, the saga of Yasa Pugliarvi, Matt, it has been... Of all the sagas that we've had over the years with players, Bruce, this is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's always seems to be, you know, there's a lot of drama around this guy and there's a very polarized uh, camps. Yeah. Yeah, there is. And I know there's a lot of people out there. I mean, you talked about, you know, uh, Spectre doing good work, getting the proper translation of the interview. There's lots of people mad at him for the headline or perhaps the tweet that he couched it in as perceived to be a shot at uh, Yasa. And, you know, there's a lot of very, very uh, sensitive, high sensitivity to items surrounding this player. Yes, there is. hardcore fans, and then there's people that are just throwing all kinds of darts and bullets at him, and that doesn't help at all. But anyway, it's... Uh, uh, it's. I think this is a, a story that's uh, uh, going to leave Edmonton for some other location before, uh, I won't say before the end of 2022, but I would say before the start of next season, there'll be yeah, a, well, yeah. There'll be they some can't, kind of resolution. Unless he goes on some incredible run, right? Like, he, that can always happen. But they, you can't, if, like, if he only scores, if, like, even let's say he somehow like his expected goals he ends up you know he scores 10 and should have scored 15 in the end right. that's still not very good for a guy earning three million dollars a year and they and they probably would you know that would be a hard decision about even qualifying them at that point but he'd have to get hot to, to get to 10 goals so um so i don't know what's going to happen with him either i wish him the best of luck he's he's such a likable person i find like and I think he is a, he has, he's got pretty good skill. He's got great size and he's, there's, he plays as, he plays a responsible two-way game. So I don't have anything against him as a, as a player. I think he helps, I think he can help a team win. But um, man, if he just, if he just swallowed some kind of potion that gave him half the confidence of Leon Dreisaitl, yeah. we'd have a player here, Bruce. Yeah. I mean, can you see Paul Yarby making the shot that Leon roofed on the, on that, uh, you know, like it's just not in his arsenal, uh, you know, and neither really is that kind of swagger. You kind of would like to see a little bit more of that. 
from him. But anyway, it's uh, uh, as you say, that interview was really kind of sad. It was uh, was uh, uh, very unfortunate to to read. Sometimes these um, uh, uh, import players from other countries. Uh, they do that a little bit. They open up in interviews within their native tongue. Yeah. And they yeah. talk to somebody and it's sort of, oh, here's, you know, somebody who knows. And, of course, it takes us these days in Canada all of about five minutes to <laughs> apply Google Translate to every word that gets reported about these guys in another. Yeah, uh, it ain't the... I mean, I remember that time Oscar Kleppbaum had a quote about Taylor Hall not playing at his best in big games, and holy moly, that thing just exploded. And he he just said something to this is right after Hall got traded, and Kleppbaum was in Sweden, and I missed, he just I said that, that you were away. So I wrote this post. That's why I remember it. This is your, usually your kind of post, but you were away, so I wrote <laughs> it, and uh, it had like huge page views, and I was just sort of translating. Uh, uh, Google translating uh, uh, Clefbaum's comments and then Clefbaum sort of walked it back a little bit and said I, none of us played well in the biggest games that's why we missed the playoffs kind of thing but it was so uh, uh, it wasn't a matter of he said something in Swedish and it just stayed you know it's not like what you say in Sweden stays in Sweden it doesn't work that way yeah if it Jesus, gets on the internet that. it's global in a, in a heartbeat I'd never, I'd never known that he, I never knew that he said that. And so he just might be, might be a little bit true about Hall. I don't know. Like he's never really been a playoff hero. He's had a few opportunities now. All right. Um, your number, Bruce. I'm going to go with number two. Uh, this is the second time all year this has happened that the Oilers scored the first two goals in a game. Can you believe it? They had a two nothing lead once in the first 26 games. They finally got a two nothing lead for the second time tonight so you know you got to think any game where if your team's a 50 50 team right it's like flipping heads twice in a row there's a one in four chance you're going to do it and yet for the Oilers, it was a one in 26 chance before tonight and so finally they got two and this is a closely related to this is the second time again two second time all year that they scored two goals in the first period they had, all all year long, they had four goals. That one game where they stomped Nashville. Nashville scored first, and Edmonton came back and went, wham, 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 and it was 4-1, and they skated away 7-4. That's the only game all year before tonight where Edmonton even had two goals by the end of the first period. And that's a good period, but it's not exactly unrealistic to get two goals in the first period. I mean, that's just one each for Connor and Leon, right? Should be doable. And I kind of be interested to see the splits of Connor and Leon. I think they kind of may be a little bit slow starters and playing their way into games, or that's what's been happening. Because uh, Edmonton only had 15 first period goals, I think, before tonight. Yeah. And like they had a lot of games with zero, and a whole lot of games with one, and the one game where they had four. So, so that's the second two. And I'm just going to throw in a bonus to that uh, Kim Carson was the second Oiler to have a fight this year in game 27. They had one official fight before before tonight. And it also occurred in the 60th minute of a game. That was Yessa Pugliarvi, where I think he dropped one of his gloves and not the other one. So you can call it a fight or not if you want. This was, this was a real fight. Cassian 
casting uh, cross-check uh, Costin, gave him a couple of dirty cross-checks, and Costin responded to the second one saying, I'm not taking that from you or anyone. And it was just such a surprise. It used to be such a common sight in, in hockey, Dave, and now it's become almost a complete afterthought. Like we had two fights all year. Both of them came in the 60th minute of a game and garbage time of a decided game and whatever tempers got up a little bit. But it's just almost completely gone out of the, uh, at least the Edmonton Oilers game. And that's, uh, it used to be a, a trademark of Ken Holland's teams in Detroit that they used to come last in the league in fighting majors every year. So you didn't I wonder have- if- yeah, I wonder if there's some some element of that, but uh, I mean, it, and it's it is gradually phasing out of the game, but it's it's really striking, you know, only two in 27 games, like that's you know they'll have six all year at that rate, and I'm not even saying good or bad, I'm just noticing that hey, a fight actually happened. This is rare, two times all year, so two times all year for a fight, two times all year for two goals in the first period, two times all year for two nothing lead at any point in the game. Alrighty. Well, Bruce, Kurt's doing the game grades. I bet you he's done already. It's probably done after the second period. Um, <coughs> coyotes are working. Yeah, so are the Coyotes. You're working on a little bit of a cold there, so let's call oh, it a yeah. night. Let's call yeah, it a night. I've been, I've been fighting it, David. I had to miss my walk. Ooh. Yesterday I was so sick. Yesterday? First, well, yesterday was cold. First time. Yeah, well, I've been walking indoors on the super cold days, but I didn't even want to take what I had anywhere near other people. I didn't have the energy. So my streak is over after three years and a bit every day. But so it goes. And today I'm feeling better, but probably sounding worse. So I apologize. I've been shuffling all over the place. I'm not really entirely with it here, but we'll struggle through. All right. Thanks for talking tonight, Bruce. Hang in there. Thanks. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.